Esther chapter 2 this morning. As you look at the book of Esther, the book of Esther is a very interesting book because the providence and care of God for his people is really the theme of the book. And yet, as you look at this book, the name God is never mentioned in the book. Prayer is never mentioned. Jerusalem's never mentioned. The temple's never mentioned. Sacrifices are never mentioned. Not even the law of Moses is mentioned. And as a result of that, some skeptics have said, well, it doesn't really belong in the Bible. But yet you look at the theme, the overall theme of the book of Esther, and it's all about the providence of God, the care of God, how God was going to care for his people. Israel was going to be exterminated. They were going to wipe out all the Jews on earth. And God stepped in to a young woman named Esther, raised her up to be the queen. She intervened for Israel. And God provided and cared for them. And so God's providence and care for Israel is really the theme of the book. Last week we saw in chapter 1 the introduction to the scenario that is taking place here. We saw how that Ahasuerus is the king of Persia. Uh, it was the land previously controlled by the Chaldeans in Babylon. And we, and then the Persians conquered when uh, the Babylonians were defeated. Ahasuerus is now sitting on the throne. He's a very powerful king. He's the king over 127 provinces. We pointed out that those provinces go as far down his, to the border of Ethiopia, so it includes all of uh, Egypt, and includes all of Israel, includes all of Turkey, and over into a little bit of uh, the, uh, the Macedonian area, all the way across, so it covers all of uh, present-day Iran and Iraq and Pakistan and Afghanistan, all the way over to the edge of, of India. It's a huge area. It was basically a majority of the world at that time. He was the king, really, of the world in a lot of ways. Very powerful, powerful king. We saw last week of how uh, his vices ruined him and ru- caused great trouble for him. The, his pride and his drunkenness and his inappropriateness and his anger. And as a result of that, he got rid of his wife, Vashti, his queen. Now, he probably had other wives too, who knows, they usually did. And we see in the subsequent things that are taking place in this chapter that yeah, he probably very likely did. But Vashti was his queen. And he got rid of her because she wouldn't come in and pray before them and show off her beauty in front of a bunch of drunken uh, partiers. And so he got really angry and, and that all happened. Now, that leads us into chapter 2. In chapter 2, then, we find that they have a contest. In order to find a new wife for Vashti, they decide they're going to have a beauty contest, and he's going to be able to pick the most beautiful and charming young woman in the whole of his 27 provinces to be his new queen. Now, we look at these kind of things, and you think, why would God put that kind of thing in the Bible? Yeah, and, and we do scratch our head and ask ourselves, did God approve of this? Well, I don't think that God approved of it. He's just putting down the facts. These are a bunch of pagans living like they're old, you know, in their pagan culture. And this is what they were doing. And in the midst of this, Israel was their servants, their, 
and they had been in servitude for years under Babylon, and then uh, Cyrus the Persian set them free. Some of them had already gone back to Jerusalem and were rebuilding things there and in Israel, but many of them still lived in Persia. And under this kind of a situation, they are subject to the pagan practices of the land. And sadly, even we see in our own culture today that when Christians live among pagan people, they a lot of times adopt a lot of the pagan cultures. And there's a lot of things in our Christian world today that a hundred years ago would have been frowned on and thought, oh, what a bunch of pagans. And yet Christians do it all the time, don't think anything of it. Why? Because they've blended into the culture. Not necessarily a good thing, but it's just a reality. And here we find ourselves in a situation where the king has ordered that all the beautiful women of all of his 27 provinces be brought in for this contest. Now, how did they choose them? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Somebody went around and looked for all the most beautiful women. Whether they had an ad in the paper, I don't know what they did, but they had all these beautiful women coming from all over the known world then, and they were going to spend months and months and months in preparation uh, of their beauty to be able to charm the king and see which one could charm him enough to become the queen. This was the goal. And we look at it and say, it looks like kind of a, a wicked type of a thing to do. But, like I said, that was the pagans of the time. But in the midst of all this, a young woman, a Jewess, named Esther, was chosen to be among those in the candidates. Why? How? I don't know. God was in control. And God knew that there was a need. God knew in the future that there was going to be a wicked man who would try to destroy the nation of Israel. And God was going to raise up this queen, a Jewish queen, that would defend Israel and have a request to the king. Who else could be able to change the king's mind besides his very own treasured queen? God rose all that up. He had it all in perfect control. And so that lays out the essence of what we're looking at here this morning. But as we look at Queen Esther, several things stand out for us to learn from. One of them is that she was a woman of extreme character. She had very good character. She was humble. She was a, a God-fearing woman. Even though God's not mentioned, you can see that in her character. She stood out above all the others. And the thing that brought her to the surface, the cream of the crop, wasn't that she was more beautiful than all the rest of them, though she must have been a beautiful woman, but her character was more beautiful than any of them. And you know, that is something that all of us can strive for. It doesn't matter whether we have been endowed with handsome, beautiful character in our physical bodies. Probably most of us wouldn't fit into that category very well. But we can all rejoice that we can have beautiful character. We can improve our character. If your character is not all that it should be, you can work on that and become more of what God wants you to be in your character. And we're going to talk more about that as we work our way through here this morning. So, the chapter reveals how this humble, young Esther, by God's grace, was became the queen of Persia. And as it records these things for us, I want us to learn 
to trust in God's providence and His grace during times of need. You know, all of us go through times of need. All of us go through challenging times. All of us go through situations that are struggle. And Esther was no exception. And God brought her through and gave her grace. And as we look at this, notice first of all, I want to point out several things about Esther's character that we might be able to see that's the kind of character that we need. Now, she wasn't perfect. She was a human. But she had very good character. Esther was chosen to enter this contest. We see in verse number 8 of chapter 2, it says, And so it came to pass, when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace, to the custody of Hegai the uh, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house uh, to the custody of Hegai, the keeper of the women. All right? So Esther was among those who came in for the contest. I don't know whether it was a voluntary thing and they all said, I look pretty nice. I think I'm going to try out to be queen. I don't know if it was that or whether it was more likely probably the king probably sent out some wise, discreet um people searching the land for all the beautiful women. I don't know how it happened, but Esther ends up in the candidates. And obviously she was a fair woman. We see there in verse number 3, and it says, And let the king appoint officers in all provinces of his kingdom that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace. And so she was among the fair young virgins. She was. And so tells us there that she was fair. The word fair there is that it describes her beauty. And she was young. How young? I don't know. Probably not 10, but I mean she was probably younger, young, maybe a, a late teens, early 20s. We would think of a young woman. And Esther was also called a virgin. Now the word, word virgin there simply refers to a maiden. But often in the Bible, it speaks of virginity as well. And in the context here, we have no reason to think otherwise that it was speaking of not only her youth, but her virginity as well. And you know, that is something for us to ponder. Every young woman is born a virgin. And both she and her father must work to protect her virginity until marriage. And yet, that's not a popular thing today. In fact, fathers all over our land see no problem with their daughter sleeping around with all of her boyfriends until she finally finds one that she kind of likes better than the rest of them, and then she stays with them. And whether they get married or not, that's up to them. And that's the thinking of our world, but that's not God's thinking. God says that fornication is wrong. Sex out of marriage is wrong. And God wants us to preserve our virginity and save ourselves for the one that God has chosen for us and marry them for life. That's God's plan. And that's a whole lot wholesomer and happier way of living. But the world doesn't see it that way. But here we see Esther was among the young virgins. And Esther was reared by her cousin named Mordecai. We see down in verse number 7. It says, and uh, he brought... Uh, sorry, let, let's start up in verse number 5. Verse number 5. 
Now in Shushan the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. All right. Now, the next verse says, who had been brought, uh, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity and had been carried with, uh, away with Jeconiah, the king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. Now, if you do a little bit of research into this, it cannot mean that Mordecai was carried away in that captivity because that would mean he would have been 140 plus years old. So I don't think that was the case. It probably means that his father, Kish, was among those that were carried away in the captivity. And he was carried away in the, in the captivity there uh, with, with the king that uh, has, was cap- captured by the uh, Babylonians. All right? So he was carried away with the king at that time. That, so that would have been his father. Now, as we look down here in verse number 8, it came to pass when, no, verse number seven, sorry. And, and he brought up Esther, I'm sorry, he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. Alright, now, Hadassah, commentaries differ, nobody knows for positive, but Hadassah seems to be her Hebrew name. And Esther seems to be her Persian name. Doesn't really matter one way or the other. The word Esther means star. And it's interesting that she's got that name. Shines like a star. And her life had been a a life of bitterness and hardship. We see here that she was brought up by her uncle's, uh, for her her uncle's son, um, Mordecai. So there was her cousin that brought her up because, in verse seven, for her father and her mother were uh, were dead. All right, she had neither father nor mother. And the maid was fair and beautiful. When Mordecai, when her father and her mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So Mordecai, obviously an older cousin, took her in and said, I'm going to raise you like my own daughter. Now, whether she was a little girl when he got, we don't know anything about that. Probably, it sounds that way. So he takes this little girl and he raises her up as his own daughter. And he's treated her as his own daughter. And he's brought her up. She's had a tough life. It's not easy to lose your father and mother when you're young. And if you've lost your father and mother, even when you're older, it's not easy. It's a difficult thing. And here this young woman had lost her parents, but Mordecai steps in. Mordecai takes care of her. Mordecai is caring for her and meeting her needs. And again, it says here that she was a fair woman. The word fair that is used here, it means lovely or beautiful. But then it goes on and it says she was fair and beautiful. The word beautiful that is used here means to be well-pleasing, proper, and good. Hmm. Speaking of her character. So the first word, the fair, deals with her outward beauty, and the beautiful refers to her exceptional character. So she was both beautiful and she had exceptional character. She was on the inside, she was well-pleasing, proper, and good. You know, whether we have been blessed with handsome beauty on the outside or not is not the point. All of us can work on our, our character, as I said a few moments ago. And 
that's something that all of us can strive for, to have a character that is well-pleasing, proper, and good. Now, when we talk about character, character is far more important than outward appearance. Sadly, many couples, and all you young people need to listen carefully, many couples today fall in love with each other and they're uh, falling in love with each other's outward appearance and personality. But they do not take time to examine each other's character. That's not wise. Why? It doesn't take very many months of marriage before the outward fascination and excitement wears off and then you're stuck with their character whether you like it or not. And that character is something that many people say, I didn't know he was like that. I didn't know she was like that. I thought she was just beautiful. And I know, oh boy, boys are hard to live with. They don't know the character. So it's very important. Focus not so much on the outward appearance. That's immaterial. It changes. I mean, all of us who are a little bit older, <laughs> we don't look like we did when we were young. You know, when we were young, we're slim and trim and and muscular and and fit and able, and now you're kind of falling apart as the years go by, like an old car, you know. But that's the way life is. But if you marry for the body and the outward appearance, you're going to be very disappointed. And that's why we have so many people today that they say, "I just don't, I don't love them anymore. I loved the way they were before. They had a beautiful countenance. I love that, but I don't love them anymore." The truth of the matter is. They never loved their character because they never got to know their character. And that's why focus on the character more than on the outward appearance. What is that person really like deep down inside? The world spends billions to improve beauty and personality, but gives very little attention to improving character. All the advertisements you see. They're making you more beautiful. Wear these clothes and you'll be really fashionable. And put this makeup on or make yourself look like this and you're going to be really, really popular. They're focusing on the outward. How many opportunities, how many, how many advertisements do you ever hear of do this and it'll make you a more godly, beautiful person on the inside? You don't focus on that. But that's what God focuses on. And that's what God wants us to focus on. To make in the inside all that it ought to be. There's nothing wrong with keeping ourselves looking nice on the outside, but that's not our focus. You know, you look throughout the Bible, the Bible's full of verses from beginning to end that support this thought. For example, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 are the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's not outward beauty. That's character. We find also in Luke chapter 16, verse number 10, Jesus said, He that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful in that which is much. That's character. What are they like when it comes to Doing what's right. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 19 says, Better is better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to be among the proud. 
He said to be humble is better. That's character. That's not about your prettiness and your handsomeness. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Far better to have a good reputation, your character, than it is to be well known because you got money. Doesn't matter. One last example in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 14 to 16. Peter writes, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the form of lust and your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. God said, I want us to be holy. That's character. That's not our beauty. So all through the scripture, God tells us, the outside's not nearly as important as the inside. You need to make sure that you have character that pleases God. God's providential care through Mordecai, her older cousin, to rear her daughter, or rear his, his, Esther as his own daughter, was a blessing for Esther. Mordecai was, as we said, the ancestor of those who had been taken captive. His father was among the slaves that escaped Jerusalem in the captivity. That that destruction of Jerusalem was devastating. Folks, we have a hard time comprehending it. I mean, we can see some of the nasty pictures on the news of the bombings of various places and the struggles and the problems in troubled areas. And I'm not underestimating and putting that down at all. But in Jerusalem, they were starving to death to the point where they were eating their own children because they were starved to death. It was either eat my kids or I die. And they're going to die anyway, so I might as well eat them. Tragic, tragic, tragic times. So they left that, ended up in Babylon. All those who lived through it went to Babylon and were slaves for years in Babylon. For 70 years they were slaves in Babylon and then God set them free. And now Mordecai is among one of them. That his ancestors were those things in the background. Now, as we look at Esther and her exceptional character, we've already noted a great deal of that. But when we speak of character, you know, sometimes we use terms that we don't all understand. What do we mean by character? Well, character, if we were to define it, Character is one's inner characteristics, distinctions, attributes, morals, and convictions, whether it be good or bad. It's that part of you deep down inside, those inner characteristics, distinctions, attitudes, morals, and convictions. The things down inside of you. What make you tick the way you do? Why are you the way you are? How, why do you act the way you do? Why do you respond the way you do? All that's part of our character. If you get a job, sometimes they will require a character reference. What is that? Well, a character reference is someone else sharing their testimony as to how you act and react. And whether you are honest or dishonest. Or whether you are dependable or irresponsible. And in some cases, whether you are moral or immoral. 
And so and so on, on and on it goes. What are you really like when nobody else is around? That's your character. And God says He wants us to have character that would please Him. Esther's character shined like the star that her name represented. We see in verse number 9 that the maiden pleased, speaking of Esther here, she pleased Hegai, the keeper of the women. The word pleased there emphasizes that her character was good and pleasant to be around. She was a pleasant young woman to be around. Then it says that she obtained kindness of him. The word obtained there, you look it up and it means to be lifted up in kindness. He, you know, he was in charge of all these women. Can you imagine that? All these, and they're bragging about their beauty. I'm prettier than you are. And they're all trying to outdo the other one so that they can become the queen. I want to be the queen. And all these young women in there are just, all the, you know, they're putting on all the oils and taking all the baths and all this stuff and trying to get as beautiful as they possibly can over these months of preparation. And he guys in there taking charge of all this. What a nightmare that must have been. But he sees young Esther and he says, that woman is different. She's got a different kind of character. She is so humble. She is pleasant to be around. She's not strutting around telling everybody how all of her goodness is. She is a wonderful person to be around. And he, he lifted her up with kindness. She obtained kindness in his sight. Her good character promoted her. And then we find that he speedily gave her the things for purification. Now, what exactly that means, I don't know, but it was, there was a process they had to go through. And there were certain things prescribed for their purification, making them as clean and beautiful as possible. And so you had to go through step one, two, three, four, whatever all these steps were that they had to go through. And he speedily helped her with that. The idea there of that word speedily has to do with a fearful haste. It's almost like he guy in his heart said, that woman needs to be the queen. She has got character. She is outstanding. She stands above all the others. But I've got to speed up her process so that nobody gets there before she does. It's almost like he had a fear in his heart that if I don't speed things up here, some other woman's going to get chosen as queen, and that's the one that really needs to be the queen. She is the top. And so he speedily gives her all the things that she needs to be go through this process of purification. And as we as we see this, he he next prefers her. We see that the end of verse number nine. He preferred her and her maids onto the best place of the house of the women. The word prefer there literally refers to promoting to the best location. He gave her the best spot. He promoted her. said, all right, Esther, we're going to have a move today. You're going to move from this quarter you're at now. We're going to put you right over here. Oh, but that's the best one. That's okay. That's where I want you. So he puts her in the best spot, the best location, speeds up her process, gives her everything she can get. He's trying to help her to get in. Why? Because he saw in her something that was special. She had character. And he wanted her to become the queen. And like Esther, 
we ought to cultivate exceptional character. With God's grace, we can govern ourselves so that we can become pleasant to be around and we can win the kindness of others. And often, it'll mean promotion. You know, if you have lived a life of character, you will find that by hard work, faithfulness, honesty, trustworthiness, dependability, all these things, people look at that and say, there's a person we can trust. Let's give them some more position. There's a person that's faithful. Let's lift them up a little bit more and give them a better spot here. And that happens all the time. But you get somebody that's a troublemaker and they, they're late and they're, and the boss is thinking, how can I get rid of them? I gotta figure out a diplomatic way of getting rid of them. They're a pain. And we, you know, there's the two extremes. And Esther was on that side where everybody that knew her said, there is an exceptional woman. And folks, that's what we need to strive for. She wasn't praising her beauty. She wasn't going in there and saying, fix my nails and make me look beauty, beauty. I've got to be beautiful. i got to win. She wasn't concerned with that. She was just being the God-fearing woman that she knew was right. And that's what we need to strive for. Esther was also an obedient young woman. We see in verse number 10 that Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. Now those little tidbits in the book need to underline because that's key to the book. That's a key phrase in this book. Mordecai said, Esther, whatever you do, do not tell anyone you are a Jew. Now, there was no rules in the campaign said no Jews allowed. But Mordecai knew that the Jews, by many people, were despised. They had been slaves. They came from a pagan land. They were not Persians by birth. And so there was these things against her. And so he says, don't tell anybody you're a Jew. doesn't matter. That's not the issue. Just live right, do right, and don't tell anybody. And so she didn't. She was obedient in that. And that was very key because as we find our way working through the book, she would it would have risked her life. It would have spoiled this whole plot that God was planning to rescue Israel with if, if she had told anybody who she was. Nobody knew. She was just another pretty girl from Shushan. And so Esther was an obedient young woman. And when she obeyed this command... God would use that to be protection over her and over Israel. You know, some something as small as obedience is of big significance in the sight of God. Sometimes we think, obedience, well, that's no big deal, you know, so I obeyed or maybe I didn't obey, who cares? God sees it as something big. This was a major thing in Esther's life. She obeyed in this one small command, don't tell anybody where your heritage comes from. And that saved her life. It protected her. It enabled her to get into that position. And it ultimately enabled her to rescue the nation. Because she obeyed. Never put it down and think, obedience isn't that important. Obedience is very important in God's sight. And we need to make sure that we strive to be people who 
are obedient to God. And as long as the laws of the land don't counter God's word, we need to be obedient to the laws of the land as well. Then we find in verse number 15, moving on down through the chapter. Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king, she required nothing but what he guy, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed her. Now, that's a significant statement. Evidently, all these young women, they were, first of all, they're all given maids to help them. Esther had seven maids to do all the stuff she wanted. I mean, how could you possibly keep seven people busy keeping you? You know, wash my clothes, change my socks for me, help me put on this foot. I mean, all all this stuff. So she had seven maids looking after her, caring for her. But then, when it was their turn to go in to see the king, they could request anything they wanted. And a lot of them would say, I'd like, I'd like some special jewelry, or I'd like this, or I'd like that. And what did Esther request? It says that she required nothing except what he guy suggested. He guy said, Esther, what would you like to take with you to, to be more impressive to the king? Esther says, I don't want to take anything. I said, it's fine. I'm, I'll, I'll just go in as I am. And he goes, oh, you can't do that. Here, come on, I want you to take this. And I want you to take this. So whatever he guy suggested, she took. But otherwise, she said, I'll go. What? I don't need anything, Esther. I'm satisfied. I'm contented. There's another character quality. Contentment. You know, folks, we need that. And it's something we all struggle with. I struggle with contentment more than I want to admit. You know, somebody else gets a, uh, something that works better than what I got. I think, boy, it should be nice if I had that. You know, something like that. I'm not after theirs, but you know, boy, mine doesn't work that good. Boy, that'd be so, that'd be so cool if mine worked as good as that worked. And we're not content. You think, is there anything wrong with mine? No, mine's fine. But it, yeah, but just contentment. God wants us to be content. Everything in our society is working to make us discontent. All the advertisement is to make you discontent. You need this one because this one's better. You need this one because this one's faster. You need this one because this one's prettier. And so there are all these things trying to make us discontent. And Esther says, I don't need anything. I'm fine. I'm happy the way it is. I don't need anything extra. She was a very contented woman. Very good quality for us to emulate. And then we see in verse 15 as well, as we read on down, and Esther obtained favor in the sight of all that looked upon her. Everybody that saw Esther said, Wow, that is an amazing woman. Something about her. She didn't strut like all the cocky women did that were pretty and showing off their beauty. She was humble. She was contented. But she had a beauty that glowed in her because of her character. And everybody that saw her said, that's the kind of a person that ought to be the queen. She is amazing. That's something we need to strive for. 
All these qualities are things that we can obtain. They aren't something that Esther had the whole control over. They're things that she learned. No doubt Mordecai had woven many of them into her life. As parents, it takes work, but we need to weave into the lives of our children qualities of character. It's not easy. It's a big responsibility to help our children to have character that'll shine, that'll stand out, honesty and integrity and morality and and decency and purity and, and virginity and all the qualities. We need to help them and guide them. It's not going to happen accidentally. It's going to take work and it takes time and energy. But we see also in verse number 17, she goes in to see the king and the king loved Esther above all the women and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now I don't know whether it was immediately after she went to him. I don't understand all the details. God doesn't give us all the ins and outs. But the king said, there's a woman that shines above all the others. Honest, integrity, I can see it in her face, I can see it in her character, I can see it in the way that she acts, I can see it the way that she walks, I can see it the way she responds, her mannerisms, her conversation. She is a woman of a character, and that's what I want for my queen. And he took her for his queen. Now Esther, the poor little Persian, or the, the Jewish girl, who was a Persian slave, now is the queen of the whole land. And we find that he honors her then. In verse number 18, And the king made a great feast unto all the princes of his, and his servants, even Esther's feast. And he made a release to the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. The word release there is an interesting word. Some of the new translations translated in a way that I think is not accurate. The word actually means a day of rest. He had a holiday. You know, we're having a holiday on Monday. It's the king's birthday, isn't it? Yeah. Why? Well, he's the king. So we're set aside a day for the king's birthday. And that's what he did here with Esther. He says, Esther, we're going to have a holiday. You're the queen now. This is going to be Queen Esther Day. Everybody gets a holiday. Nobody has to work. This is a day off for all of you. So he gives her her own holiday. He gives her a big feast and a festival. All the people celebrating. Esther is now the queen. She was also trustworthy and faithful. The chapter ends on a different note. She's been queen now for some time. Who knows how long. But in verse number 21, it says, In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Big Than and Tirish, of those which kept the door, were wroth and sought to lay hands on the king of Hazarus. And the thing was known unto Mordecai, 
who told it unto Esther, the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore, they were both hanged on a tree. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. A very significant passage of scripture here. As you study the book, if you didn't have that passage right there in the, it, it wouldn't make much sense. It's key to the whole story. Mordecai sits out at the gate. He's an older man, sits at the gate, a place of position and honor, and he's sitting out at the gate, and in the course of the conversation, he hears these two gate guards griping and complaining and saying, you know, I'm sick and tired of the king. I, I, I hate him. I got an idea. How about if we just, you know, I, we can, we can kill him. We can get rid of him. Here's my plan. And Mordecai hears him talking like this. So Mordecai, he's got an inside road now. He speaks to Esther, the queen, and says, Esther, this and this and this took place, and I heard this and this is what's going to happen. You better check into this. And she tells the king. King says, all right, let's go find out. They investigate. These two guys are found guilty. They hang them on a tree, and they write it in the Chronicles of the King, the boring book of all the records of the king. And he's going to need that in a little while. We're going to see that next week. But as we see this here, God is working. Esther is a trustworthy woman. Mordecai can go to her and say, tell this to the king. He knew it would happen because Esther was trustworthy. He knew it would happen because she was faithful. And she had the courage to go in and speak to the king as she did. And she saved the king's life as a result. You know, we wrap this all up. Some principles for us today. We've really talked a lot about the character and things already. But, you know, the Esther was an ordinary person with an extraordinary character. And God blessed her with beauty, but more than that, he blessed her with the development of her outward character qualities. Physical beauty is only surface deep. But we need that inner character. And as you look at your life, ask yourself, what is your character like? Better yet, maybe more challenging thing to ask yourself is if God was to write a resume of your character or a, a give you a, a evaluation of your character, how would God evaluate your character? What would God say about how you really are? Your inner honesty and your integrity and your thoughts and your actions and your attitude and your, you know, you, our character really involves all that stuff that's really down inside of us. What we're really like. How would God evaluate you? If deep down inside you'd say, probably not real high. You've got work to do. But it can change. That's the great thing. You can try from now until the end of your life to become beautiful like Esther and you'll probably fail. And so would I. But we can all become beautiful in our character. Not much you can do on the outside to fix up what's not as good as it ought to be. Oh, there's probably a few things. We can go on a diet or we can change a few things. But we can't. We're never going to be all that we would like to be on the outside. But on the inside, we can work at that. You can work at your character. You can change these things. And ask God to help you. And strive to search the Scriptures. God, help me to become more of 
kind of a character that we ought to be. And you know, folks, it all starts. It all starts with coming to know Jesus. If you've never come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your character is not going to shine very well. Because that's where it all starts. He's the one that can change us from the inside out. You know, the Scriptures tell us in Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I mean, the reason we struggle with our character is because we've got a rotten heart. God says, fix the heart first before you can fix your character. That's where you got to start. If you've never trusted Christ, do so today. He died on the cross to bear this, your sin, to pay your debt, so you didn't have to go to hell. And he offers it to you as a gift if you receive it from him. But then, once we know Christ our Savior, we need to just ask God and search the Scriptures and study the Scriptures and ask God, please, God, change the way I am. Make me the kind of a character I want to be. 